Good afternoon and welcome to the latest business briefing from the Auto Retail Network in association with AutoTrader. Thanks for taking time to join us. At the half year point, we're looking at a UK car market to get past um, about a million uh, normally at this time of year, we'd expect it to be. We're not there yet, uh, but in our webinar today, we'll be looking at the opportunities uh, and how we can steer around the potholes uh, for the rest of 2023. We're joined today by two of the UK's leading retailers, Darren Ardron from Perry's and Peter Smythe from Swansway. And we have market insight and data from Carolina Edward Schneider at AutoTrader. If you would like to ask a question, don't forget, uh, challenge something that's said or make a comment and join in the conversation. You can use the uh, dialogue box just below the screen here, or you can use the hashtag ARNLive and our editor, Tristan Young, will be monitoring comments and feeding them through to us uh, here in the studio. Well, we're certainly still in recovery at a market. We're about three quarters of a million cars year to date. Uh, May's numbers have come out and given some comfort. But let's start with a look at that market. Carolina, what are the headlines for the new car market at the moment from the data through AutoTrader? Hello, everyone. Like looking at high level stats, the market generally looks reasonably healthy. We have very, we have strong levels of consumer demand, sales and stable price growth, which is continuing. So at AutoTrader, we track used proxy data, which is essentially proxy for sales. And the data suggests that used car sales were around 3% up year on year. So modest growth that we are likely to see in used transactions, um, but we'll know for sure in a um, few weeks time. Consumer demand overall remains strong. So what we are seeing at AutoTrader, um, which we measure demand by visits, um, to AutoTrader has been up by 12% year on year. However, on the flip side of that, used car supply remains constrained. So um, stock levels on AutoTrader are down by um, 6% again compared to May last year. So we have a little bit of imbalance of supply and demand. So um, supply is weaker than demand overall. Um, and that is keeping car prices stable, but also supporting like a healthier balance uh, between the supply and demand. So our market health metric that we measure the, the health of the market with is up by 12% year on year. So that's the used market landscape and the, um, how it's looking in terms of new car um, sales been up by 17% in May. It's been, it was the 10th consecutive growth. Um, in new car registrations. However, in May, private sales were down by half percent. So most of that growth has been driven by fleet. Okay, well, that's a, that's a good um, perspective. Thank you. And we'll, we'll drill into perhaps some of the factors in there. Inevitably, EVs and, and ICE will come into it. But let's look at May. Darren, um, if we can start with you. Um, obviously, Paris, you've got uh, a big footprint uh, across northwest, northeast, down uh, to Kent. Um, around 50 uh, locations. May, three bank holidays, there was lots going on. There was, a, there was some coronation or something happened in the middle there. Did that have any impact um, for you in May? Uh, hi, Al. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to everybody. Uh, yeah, I think it did, actually. I think May was, uh, if I'm totally honest, it was the first month of this year that we just found that the job was certainly tightening up a little bit. Um, certainly wasn't a disaster, but... Um, 
it really felt like sort of we never really got going again after the bank holidays, both from a sales point of view and an after sales point of view. You know, it was a we got going, there was a bank holiday, then it, it was slowed down again. So um, I think it did have a slight impact. As I say, nothing disastrous, but it was the first month of the year that, you know, we felt things were getting far more back to normal, I would say. It's interesting that that, that rhythm, because uh, the three bank holidays were great if you were, you know, had, were able to have the bank holiday. But yes, it's not great for kind of that rhythm. Does it really make a difference when you've got a load of bank holidays in terms of the weekly meetings and, and the rhythm of, of what goes on? Well, it's it's very unusual that you get three in one month. So I think this was this was new to all of us, really. But yeah, you know, people tagged extra days holidays on and bits and pieces like that. So um, yeah, it just felt like very much like a stop-start month. And as I as I just said previously, particularly in after sales, um, you know, throughout the whole of the service operations and indeed through our parts operation, um, we even felt it through the IMT that they they you know they were a little bit slower in the month. So hopefully, with that out of the way now, I have to say June started off a little bit better. So the little bit we fell short in May, I'm hoping we'll catch back in June. Peter, you're predominantly northwestern Midlands with some Wales and North Wales in there, and I'd say uh, heavy on on Volkswagen and, and Audi. How was how was May for you with private retail um, very slow and well, not very slow, but it was slower uh, and falling back. Um, it, May was a challenge. Um, I, I totally concur with uh, with what Darren said. Um, it was stop start because of the bank holidays. You obviously get people adding uh, days, holidays on. That interrupted all your meetings and the messages that you could get across. Um, and we had to work hard, um, particularly with the Volkswagen Group products, because although they did have um, a, a fair amount of um, uh, logistics issues in getting cars over the water from Emden, the numbers that were coming through and that we had to commit to were really rather big. And they all came right at the end of the month, um, which uh, put a significant amount of pressure on management teams, administration teams and sales teams, because there was for the very first time, well, not the very first time, but, you know, two weeks into a month, there was a selling job to do. It wasn't a case of, right, okay, well, if these cars come, I've actually, um, I've already got orders for them. There were cars coming that we didn't have orders for, that we had to work hard with our database in order to get um, our uh, our customers into those cars and, and rather hurry them up some somewhat so that it was done for the month end for our figures and for the OEM's figures. Was that something it was specific to, to Volkswagen Group? Because obviously you have a range of, of brands in your portfolio, or is that a trend? Um, it seemed to be uh, more prevalent in the in the Volkswagen Group, but there are, I believe, um, transportation issues uh, across the whole of the, the industry. But... Um, you know, you only have to look at the SMMMT figures and you saw that Audi actually was the number one performer in the month of May. Um, and the fact of the matter is, if they got all their cars across the water, they'd have reckoned they could have done a couple of thousand more. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, you know, there is stock out there in certain, uh, with, with certain franchises that we haven't, got 
customers for at this moment in time. So we're having to do what we've always done in the past and deal hard and um, and, and, and get stuck in. Darren, perspective from you, a bigger number of franchises as well as a bigger number of, of brands, is that new car supply getting back to pre-pandemic levels across the board? Um, I wouldn't say it's getting back to pre-pandemic levels now, um, but it's certainly better than it was this time sort of six months ago. Um, you know, we're, we're finding all of a sudden, whereas six months ago we had very little stock, now we've got pockets of stock. Uh, and that's a combination of things, you know, that there have been a number of customers that have cancelled uh, just with the time it, it's taken. So I wouldn't say it's getting back to pre-pandemic normal levels, but stock is definitely building and stock is definitely building at the moment around EV. Um, and that is a huge concern at this moment in time, because I know we'll probably come on to EV later. But, you know, the market for EV at this moment in time is very slow. So that's where we're finding pockets of stock are building at the minute more all around um, EV. And I totally concur with what Peter said. Uh, transportation across a number of brands was very difficult in May, and that put an immense amount of pressure, particularly for some of our fleet departments with multiples of cars arriving with sort of 10 days to go and OEMs expecting them to be out. So, you know, the team did a great job in getting out what they did, but it certainly put the businesses under huge pressure the back end of May. You're watching the business briefing from the Auto Retail Network. Your comments are part of it. It's a conversation. Please do uh, take time to uh, send comments and questions in the dialogue box here on screen, or you can use the hashtag ARNLive. We'll take the comments and uh, bring them into the conversation and some of the questions for later on. Darren, if I can stay with you for a moment, um, because it's the point that Peter raised about stuff arriving. Um, have you got a good line of sight of when product is coming? Because that's one of the one of the issues is, is if you know something's coming in October or December, you can explain to the customer. But if suddenly it's all uh, here, they're coming this afternoon, that's a different thing. How much how much information are you getting that's reliable as to the stock coming towards you? And um, I think if I'm honest, that's been very mixed by brand. Uh, with certain brands, you've got very good visibility of stock. With other brands, it's very difficult. Um, and, you know, the, the comment you moved, used there about it's almost arriving this afternoon isn't uncommon in certain situations. And that just puts, you know, other pressures on, really, because you've got to get hold of the customer, could be on holiday, got to get insurance sorted. So um, we, we've had a mix. As I say, some brands are far better than others in terms of visibility. Some are, are quite difficult at this moment in time. Peter, let me be let me be provocative because I, I know we love hearing your your views on this, but I suppose it's kind of part of the job, isn't it? Is 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 having cars to sell, um, and when they've landed, it, although it's a little bit uncomfortable, that's what you do. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it, it's um, I mean, just to hark back to to what Darren was saying with with supply and getting visibility on supply and able to communicate it to your customers. It's a little bit like the hokey cokey. It's in, it's out, it's in, it's out. Um, and, uh, that, uh, but then right at the very end of the month, yes, the vehicle is coming and the OEM expect the customer to then take that vehicle. Um, and then are surprised when they don't do particularly well in the new car buyer survey because the customer's saying everything felt a little bit rushed. Um, but I believe getting back to stock on the ground. I believe that's where we as dealers come into our own. And I don't think sometimes 
the OEMs actually appreciate the the job that we do in finding customers for cars, not finding cars for customers. And um, you know, we and um, particularly are and have been very very good at look. These cars are here now. How are we going to get customers' bums on seats in a way that doesn't massively over distress the product? Um, and the best way of doing that is to go and look at your existing database and go to those customers and and sort of say to them, "Look, guys, have I got a deal for you?" Um, I know that OEMs are saying that um, price transparency is what the customer requires, but I'm a great believer that a customer still wants a deal. Maybe I'm a dinosaur. No, you're a trader, Peter. That's that's the that's the business. And we we are dealers. I'm not ashamed at saying I am a dealer. That's what we Carolina, do. let's just take a take a look at the at the the data in terms of what customers are looking for. Because really good point Peter makes is it the car for the customer or is it the customer for the car? So what are people doing? Is there any change in the type of vehicle? Let's not necessarily leave it to EV and ICE. We'll still come there. Don't worry, it's coming. But in terms of the type of vehicle that people um, are looking for, I think it's well overall the whole. Since pandemic, the uh, the shape of the market as well as size of the market has changed. So we are talking about supply. We know that supply in the uh, new car market specifically is still constrained. So even though the market is growing, it's growing double digit. I think in May, um, in terms of auto trader new car stock available, it was up by thirty six percent, strong, but nowhere near where it was before. But what's interesting is the uh, the actual shape of the market has changed massively as well so um you can look at that by price so the uh, the uh, the average price of new car available in the market is actually 40 percent higher than it was in 2019 but most of that is driven by mix of the cars which are available to buy so just to bring it all to life a little bit more in april 2009 consumers had around six and a half thousand derivatives to choose from in the new car market this year Right now, it's around three and a half thousand. So, the uh, in terms of the choice, it's completely different, and it's a big increase in electric SUVs, and then the massive drop in smaller body styles, as well as um, obviously less diesel options available as well. So, we, in new car market, there is there is a constraint in supply, so consumers cannot always get what they want because there will be waiting lists. So they, they, they often, um, you know, look further for different choices. So it's not always that every consumer can find the car they want straight away, but also the choice in the market is done. So, so there is a lot of dynamics in play at the moment. Interesting. Darren, let, let's take a look then from, a, from the acid test then. Are those customer orders coming in fast enough? We just heard there, Carolina, say actually the choice that's available is halved. But are the people therefore ordering what's available or are the waiting lists no longer there? Um, I wouldn't say all the coming in fast enough, if I'm totally honest with you. I think what we're seeing at the minute is that we are still living off an order bank. Uh, but what we see now month on month is that that order bank is starting to shrink a little bit. It's still very, very heavy around fleet and it's still very heavy around mobility. But in terms of the retail side of it, you know, I can see from our group at this moment in time what we're delivering every month. 
we're not quite matching with new orders. So we're just starting to see that order bank drop off a little bit. And we, you know, we've lived with that quite frankly for two years. So we, we are almost back into that real world again scenario. And does that does that vary at all ge geographically? Because you've got such a big spread. Can you see any changes like that, or is geography not an issue? No, geography is not an issue. It, it doesn't really matter where you are. Uh, it varies a little bit by brand, as these things do. Um, but there's no geography at this moment in time. I can't look at the south and say, you know, forward orders are a lot different in the south to war in the north. We, we're basically just seeing it's the same across the group, really. Yeah. Peter, what about you in terms of order bank? Because obviously you have a similar overlap in terms of brands, but big on you know kind of premium Audi. What's what's your order bank looking like, and also JLR compared to to previous year? Um, previous year or previous years? Um, uh, well, I, I wasn't being specific, but let's take a look at versus year. So let's have a look at how things have gone over the last year. Well, the uh, the order bank undoubtedly. Is, is shrinking and um, you are getting cancellations. Um, you're definitely getting quite a lot of cancellations of, uh, of EV products, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, and uh, the, the market is starting to normalize. And when you say cancellations, is is that split between fleet and business or private? Can you see is it or are they equally cancelling or is it one more than the other? I would say um, there's there's quite a lot of fear from the, um, the 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 actual retail consumer because you know they're not unaware of what is going on in the marketplace with regard to used EVs and you know. Um, a customer, uh, all these EVs are, are, are not cheap vehicles. You know, they're all 30, 40, 50, 50, 70, and, 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 and above. And you can understand as a retail customer, they don't want to um, put their money into something where they know that in two or three years' time, it's going to be worth a fraction of what they paid for it. And that is the... Um, the information they're getting out of the media at this moment in time. Um, and I think there, there's a similar, um, pushback from, um, from, from, from some fleets. Not, I mean, not the, uh, the, not the contract hire companies, but eventually that will come if, um, the used EV market doesn't change. Because they will be sat on sat down the barrel in two three years time of taking all these EV vehicles back and then be worried that if they can actually realise the amount of money that they stand at in their books. Well, that, that's interesting, isn't it, Darren? I mean, I'm back to you in a, in a second, Peter. But Darren, obviously, you know, people buying on finance, which the market do, most of private buyers do, uh, it's based obviously on on residual value of the vehicle. Well, if they market shows that that RV is going down, presumably the cost of finance is going to go up. So cars are going to get more expensive in, in electric vehicle terms. Is, are, you, are you seeing that yet, Darren? Oh, uh, undoubtedly. I think, um, and I think, you know, this is where the manufacturers may need to support some of this. It's um, obviously we have seen, um, we have seen residual values drop. We've seen interest rates go up. As Peter's just said there, you know, there aren't many EVs now sub £40,000. So, um, and then of course the other bit that's happened now on EV is 
what was once a massive benefit of the cost of running um, has changed. You know, I, I've been driving around quite a lot this last um, couple of weeks in, in my diesel car, I will say that. And all of a sudden, you know, you're now seeing petrol at sub 140 a litre, you're seeing diesel at 140 a litre. It uh, doesn't seem two minutes ago since that was nearly £2 a litre. So, And then on the other side, if, if you're unfortunate enough to um, have to recharge your electric car, particularly at some forecourt or service centre, you can be into 75 pence per kilowatt hour now. So all of a sudden the running costs are not what they were, and then you've got the increasing cost of the vehicle. So we've seen huge increase in repayments, uh, and unfortunately the reserve values are going the wrong way. So again... You know, I come back to we either need manufacturer invention or maybe even some government invention as well. We're going to look at some data um, with with Carolina, but before that, if you do have points and we're we're into it now, we'll 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 dive a little bit more into EVs, electric vehicles now. So if you've got comments or questions or things you'd like to challenge, now is the time to do it. Um, if you're on Twitter, hashtag ARN Live, um, or you can type in your questions to the dialog box here on the business briefing from the Auto Retail Network. Um, Carolina from Auto Trader, right, let's let's look at the numbers then. Um, if I'm if I remember correctly, um, EV inquiries are, are now making up just about ten percent of searches on Auto Trader. Correct me for being wrong if I am. Yeah, I think that's about right. And we are seeing like um, the volume, the demand for um, EVs increasing overall. So in May, it was up by 44%. So it's a strong growth and that trajectory just like it's a nice curve that continues. So um, so I think there is a lot of rhetoric in the uh, press that the uh, demand falls um, off cliff. That is not true. It continues increasing. So there's interest in it, but there's more stock on the ground than there is that there are buyers. So naturally, it's and going. And that is a challenge. And yeah, that is exactly the challenge. And this this is why this year is different than what we were seeing last year. So, um, 44 percent growth in demand. However, supply in May was up by two hundred percent. So we have oversupply versus demand available, and this is why we are seeing impact on used EV prices as a result. So they are falling. So um, EV prices in May were down by nearly 19%, while used car prices overall are still increasing. And that is, so what we were seeing last year was opposite. We had high demand for EVs and low supply. And that meant that prices were growing and they were growing really fast. So um, uh, out of balance, I would say. So what's happening now? This market is readjusting again to more normalized level. Um, and those some of those changes, like it will have impact on consumer choice as well. So what we are seeing that in some cases, this gap between uh, EV prices and um, um, ICE counterparts models is closing. And there are examples where there will be um, similar vehicles where EV equivalent will be cheaper than ICE vehicle. So I've got the example of the uh, three-year-old electric Jaguar I-Pace, which is now 600 pounds cheaper than a traditionally fuel F-Pace. And we are seeing like in pockets examples like that because ICE vehicles prices are increasing, EVs are going down. So interesting dynamics that you know we are tracking in the market uh, in this point in time. 
thank you for that. Important to bring in some some context there, Peter. I'm going to go to you and say, have you got a few old friends in the car park who are kind of aging past the sixty days? Is is that is that starting to be an issue um, with with electric vehicles, or, or is it just the same for for, for others? Uh, no, uh, all the vehicles, or not all the vehicles, but the vast majority of vehicles that we tend that tend to get over aged, we run a quite a strict sixty day policy. Um, and um, there were some EVs that I've relented with, but I've now, um, in view of the fact that we've, we've had a, a reasonably good fa uh, first five months, and I feel it only right, because I believe what Carolina, uh, Carolina is saying, the only problem is there's more and more, if, if demand for EVs is at a certain level, there's only more and more of this EV product coming. Um, so therefore, um, I have um, enforced that we, if you like, have taken the pain on those EVs. Um, EVs sell, but it's very much price-led. Um, and you, the rule of thumb at this moment in time, because uh, obviously as a, a company like Autotrader price the vehicles, high price, good price, low price, um, we are tending to find that the only way that we sell EVs is if it's, if they're a low price. Um, and I've, I've encouraged my people to do it because, listen, these EVs are only going one way at this moment in time. It's not as though they're going to stop coming. They, you know, there's, there's a tsunami of this product coming along. Um, and I don't want to completely um, neg out sales managers and salesmen about selling this product because at the right price um the product will sell the problem is and it, uh, carolina has just uh, has just reaffirmed this an ipace um is worth less than an f-pace with an internal combustion engine in it yet the price of them brand new would be starkly quite different. So, so turning it is, on its head, it's a good time for buyers. It's it's a it's a good time for to for for buyers to buy an EV if they can search out a dealer that's brave enough to take his medicine. Darren, uh, from a from a you've got a, a big range of brands. You you hear there what Peter's saying. We're we're all in the same industry. Is it a, a similar experience? And and if so, how how are you going about? Because we're talking about practical things here. How are you motivating um, and and working with your teams with with EV product that's used on the market? Um, it's almost a carbon copy. I'll really. It, it's exactly as Peter said. Um, you know. Yes, we have got. Um, a number of vehicles now that are starting to age. The majority of those are EV. Um, and unfortunately, you do have to take the pain at the minute. It's very hard. And, and you know, I do sympathise with anyone out there that is sat looking at potentially some huge losses. You know, these things can be six to £10,000 loss per car. I think you've almost got to treat EVs two-way at the minute. I think we've all got the older EVs that we've probably enjoyed, um, you know, taking some good margins out of the new six months ago and we've got these ones around us now but then equally um you know carolina mentioned it there is a market at the minute out there for ev and if you actually buy an ev in at today's price then there's a market for it so i'm sort of saying to my guys you've almost got to wash out the old stuff by bringing in the new stuff but it's very hard 
and and you know very difficult when our sites are focused on profitability and you get an inquiry on a car and it's going to blow five or six thousand pounds you know two or three of those in a month and it puts you in a very different different position are we in this market for a while because we've got 2030 approaching us when in theory um, we will see the end of pure uh, internal combustion engine. We'll have to see politically whether that happens, but as things stand, that's the way it is. But are we going to be playing this game all the way through to 2030? So there's, it's going to get harder, or is there a way forward in this? I certainly hope we're not playing it through while 2030, otherwise it'll be an expensive ride, won't it? But no, I think personally, I think once we get out of the, the position that we're in now, um, you know, I'll come back to OEMs. I think they've got to look at support. I think they've got to look at support around demo. I think they've got to make the, the pricing more attractive. Um, you know, some recent research I looked at was uh, the EV now is around 37% more expensive than its equivalent ICE. And the, the perfect example Carolina's just given you about one now being cheaper than the other. So I don't think we're in it forever. I just think we, we've got a difficult period ahead. We've got to take the pain. But then hopefully once we get through that pain, um, it might start to level out a little bit. But it's just difficult taking that pain at any time, isn't it? Peter, presumably also the flip side uh, of EVs being tough, and we've seen prices going up, it means that ICE vehicles are doing quite nicely. Is that more than offsetting um, the medicine you have to take on EVs? No, it's not more than offsetting. the. Um, certainly in the short term, it's not more than offsetting um, the uh, the pain that you've had to take on, on EVs. But... Um, ice product the, the the right desirable ice product is still very very desirable at this moment in time and and you can take good margin out of it but uh darren's absolutely right there are a lot of cars and you can see it on auto trader that have been on forecourts for a long period of time and they're up at a price that quite frankly um they're never going to achieve um so um <laughs> My advice is, and it's an age old motor trade added adage that your first blue's the best blue, um, and I think take your medicine and move back into the uh, into the market because at the end of the day you've got a portfolio of stock. It's only like having a portfolio of shares, isn't it? Um, you know, you can either buy more of a certain share uh, to equalise the price out. Or sell the share and put the uh, put the money into in, into something else. Um, I, I am not sure, and and I hope Darren's right, but I am not sure how over the next um, number of years we're going to be able to deal with this ice bev issue unless there is greater either they put the price of ice vehicles up or they reduce the price of bev vehicles down. Because currently, at this moment in time, whether we like it or not, and, it, and at the end of the day, it isn't it isn't Peter Smythe and Swan's way or Darren Arden and Perry's or the man at Volkswagen who decide um, what the market is like. It's the consumer that decides that. And a lot of the messages that we're getting from the consumers, and I, I could be being quite controversial here, is a lot of the customers are not ready for a bad product at this moment in time. Interesting perspective. Um, question actually linked to that. Um, in fact, Andy Bennett Fisher from Perry's. Uh, Darren, he's not sent you an email. He's, he's sent us a question here, which is great, but I'm going to ask Peter to answer it first. He says, what will the 
22% EV target next year mean for retailers and customers? This is the, the requirement on the road to 2030 that, that, that brands have to get to a, a target of 22% of their volume. So are, are you, you thinking that far ahead, Peter? What, what does that look like for you? Um, well, just looking at the demand at this moment in time, that's going to be um, a huge mountain to climb. I can only assume that the OEMs will do business with commit to purchase deals, mortability and contract hire and leasing companies and, and, and hire companies in order to get to that figure, unless there is a sharp um, change in demand. And although, undoubtedly, I mean, what Carolina will, will, will add the, uh, the statistics, demand for electric vehicles is increasing, but it isn't increasing with the rate at which electric vehicles are coming into the market. Mm. Uh, so they're going to have Darren, to be registered. Sorry, sorry, Peter. They're going to have to be registered. Um, and, you know, it's at this moment in time, it's it's above my, my grade as to work out where they are registered. That's down to the, uh, to the OEMs. I mean, we will do our level best, but it might very well be, well, they're going to have to, they're going to have to incentivize um, dealers, stroke customers, in the same way that they always have done to get cars out into the marketplace. So, Darren, do we see the return of, of pre-reg and, and, in sense, that normalization of the market coming back in to, to hit those percentages? Um, I, I think there's a, there's a huge uh, possibility that you'll see the return of pre-reg, but um, I think you'd have to be a very brave dealer or dealer group to be pre-registering electric, quite frankly. Um, and I think, you know, just what Peter just said then, I think this is down to the manufacturers and the incentives, really. Of course, other things manufacturers could look to do is reduce the amount of ice product that they put into the market. So um, I would imagine it's a huge dilemma for, for quite a number of them at this moment in time. But are they not, sorry, Darren, are they not already doing that in terms of limiting? Because they've, they've already had to hit a level uh, this year, um, but have, are they not already playing those sort of tunes of, of limiting certain products yeah, under the I guise of, of, of restriction of PC uh, of, of chips? <laughs> yeah, I think they have been, Al, but I think 2024 is very, very different because 22% yeah. is an actual target. They've, you know, they've probably not had a, a governmental target and, Obviously, on ZEV, it's quite a huge penalty from government if they fail to achieve it. So, um, you know, I think they're playing in a real world in 2024. Yeah. Carolina, I'm going to change tack here because we've had Eric uh, Harkink from PON. Hi, Eric. Thanks very much for uh, joining us online from uh, the Netherlands. Um, Carolina, can and should retailers sell EVs in the same way as ICE? We'll, we'll come to Darren and Peter for some um, sort of hands-on point, but... You know, your platform, uh, Carolina, is obviously Auto Trader. It's in the name. So do people present and, and promote them in the same way? Is that what they should be doing on your platform? Well, I think they, with EVs, there's definitely more information, more education that consumers need. Um, and there is, they, I think there, there, are, there are elements where 
there is not a standardized way of presenting some of that. The great example is um, health of battery, which I think is something as an industry we are currently missing. It's one of the pain points for consumers and one of their main worries when buying an EV. So I think pricing affordability is one uh, and how, because on auto trader, all of those vehicles compete against one, one another and consumer can very clearly see their price differential when they are going for price or EV vehicle. So price is one and second one is confidence and making sure that they are, uh, you know, happy to go this way and we can alleviate their concerns. So I think as an industry with OEMs, with government, there is more support required and more education information that we could present to them as well. So I think there are some gaps still to help consumers to make it uh, a better journey and we've got more work to do. And what's the learning in the share repeat? That's a really interesting point. I think Carolina mentions about the, particularly the battery, because it's the big sort of question mark. Um, is that influencing the way that your team on the ground are talking to customers? Um, I think it's undoubtedly our our salespeople could be probably better educated on 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 babes. I still, I still I think there's a big body of work to be still still done there. Um, it's interesting because obviously being a, um, a a main franchise dealer, we tend to sell either new cars or very nearly new cars. Um, when it comes to what I call proper used cars, three, four, five years and, and older, one thing that the uh, that, that we're going to have to educate customers on is the actual health of the battery at the age at which the car is, because we all know the price of replacing these batteries. And I think there should be some sort of standardized legislation that the customers can kind of get their head around as to, you know, uh, you know, being, I mean, I don't think it's part of an MOT to find out what the degradation is of a battery, but it's going to have to be because that was the, you know, would somebody want to buy a 10-year-old EV not knowing anything about the state of the condition of the battery? Interesting These point. That's another, another point for conversation. Um, there's, 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 there's a lot of questions still to be answered. And you can understand a customer's reticence, can't you? I can. Philip Noffard. Hello, Philip um, from Cox um, and also uh, Simon Wissenberg. Same question. Um, what will happen? Darren, I'm going to come to you for this. What will happen when the Chinese brands start offering EVs at significantly cheaper prices? Will these appeal to consumers? Interesting, they say when they will, but presumably they already are in terms in, if, of MG and, and others, but they're supposed to be a lot cheaper coming. Darren, is that a worry? Does it stop you sleeping? Uh, it's a worry, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, you make a great point there with, with one brand you've just mentioned, MG. If you look at MG, you look at their growth in the last two years. Um, you know, they do offer a very, very competitive range of product and a very competitive range of payment. So I think if the Chinese come in and undercut that even further, um, I think it's certainly a worry for some of the mainstream OEMs because, um, you know, from what I've seen, there aren't any bad, badly built cars out there from the Chinese. So Actually, if it's if it's what somebody wants and it's EV and it's price right, it has to be a worry for some of the other manufacturers. But are you losing? Are you seeing any sense of people looking at it? Because what was it? Um, Carolina said the price of new cars 
has grown 40% since 2019, so three years. It's a heck of a growth. Maybe somebody who was in the market three years ago is now coming into it. Wow, that's a shock. Is that a, is that a real threat that you're seeing on the floor at the moment of people walking away because it's a shock? Yeah, I think I think for us, I mean, that's probably why we've had a, a very strong start this year on used cars. Um, you know, if, if somebody doesn't buy a new car, because let's face it, prior to pandemic, you know, we were very good as an industry um, at putting people into the car that we had around us and we made it fit. Um, you've now got situations where some of those customers are coming back and they just physically cannot afford with everything else going up in the life, they can't afford it. So we end up putting them into a used car. So I think the important thing is that we don't lose them as a customer. You're watching the business briefing um, from the Auto Retail Network. Uh, our time, we've got a, a couple of three minutes left. So if you have a quick question, we'll be able to squeeze squeeze it in. Um, Cliff, hello, Cliff, Cliff Della. Um, Cliff says, are the levels of leads and test drives, so leads and test drives, higher or lower than last year? Peter, I know you said leads are down, but what about test drives? Are, are people just coming and buying or, or are they still getting in and wanting to drive vehicles? Um. I wouldn't say that actually that leads are down. Um, I would say that it's harder to convert the leads that you get. Um, um, in terms of, um, of, of test drives, I mean, to me, a lead is a test drive or that's what it should lead to. Um, so no, I wouldn't say that, you know, we, we track leads on a, on a, on a daily basis and, and, um, we, 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 if, 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 I, if I look and know that we've got over 300 leads for our complete business um, in a 24-hour period, I can almost tell you that we will sell um, in that come hell or high water and how we do it or, or whatever, but we will always sell around about the same amount of cars in a one particular day um, with the, the consummate amount of uh, leads. Um no, there are still there are still leads. There are still inquiries uh, coming in, um, but we've got to work harder and fight harder to do the business. Of that, there's absolutely no doubt. You seeing the same thing, Darren? Test drives uh, matching leads and still coming through the door. Yeah, almost a mirror image again. I'm afraid it's uh, leads aren't down generally, but it, it is just harder work to convert them. Um, I think people are, you know, when we went through the the coming back after COVID, it was almost it was almost very easy to sell everything. All of a sudden mm. now you've really got to work at it. And, uh, you know, for me, probably come on to it towards the end, but we've almost got to refocus on the art of selling again because a lot of our people wouldn't say they forgot how to do it, but it was much easier. Uh, they've got to be a little bit more patient now and refocus on the selling. It wouldn't be a webinar uh, in the automotive retail sector without the A word uh, being mentioned, and it's going to come in. And of course, it's the World Wide Web. Um, and we are worldwide because Matthew Cripps from the ATL Auto Group in Jamaica, hello, um, asks a question. What does the panel think of Mercedes performance so far this year under agency? Darren, I'm going to start with you and then I'm going to come to Peter. Uh, well, looking at the figures, and, and I could say fortunately or unfortunately, we don't have Mercedes, but looking at the figures, uh, I'd say there has to be a lot of concerns out there for how it started since they went agency. Hmm. And do you, do you think that's teething troubles or something more fundamental? 
it, it could be a little bit of both, really. I think when any, whenever you, you know, somebody always had to go first, didn't they, on agency? Um, and and in this case, it was it was Mercedes. I think it could be teething troubles. It could be understanding of it on the ground. Uh, but equally, as it was said earlier in the conversation, you know, customers do still like a deal out there. So I think it's probably a combination of a few things, Al, at this moment in time. Peter, sitting there with Audi, and I don't think you've got the, the silver-pointed star, what are your thoughts on uh, performance of Mercedes and their agency so far? Well, the bit that actually bemuses me about, because, you know, you, you, you look at Mercedes-Benz market share in May compared to Audi's, it was half of Audi's. But what I want to know is what has happened to that pipeline of orders that Mercedes must have had in the same way that you have at BMW, the same way that you have with, where have all those customers gone to? Because I would have thought at first with agency, they would have been fulfilling those. Now, either they are fulfilling those orders, but they're selling very, very, they're doing very, very little new business actually physically into the month. And that will come to pass at a later date. Who knows? But it's only following exactly the same pattern that it's followed in Australia. Yeah. And, and later this month, later this month, Volvo um, reportedly will start with, with agency in the UK as well. Um, yeah, I, I, look, I have my thoughts on agency in the same way as I have my thoughts on Kazoo. Um, and personally, I don't believe the agency model will work. But there are a lot of people out there are telling me that I'm absolutely wrong and that it will work. Um, I hope it works for all our sakes. We're nearly at the end of our time here on the Auto Retail Network Business Briefing. I'm going to go around uh, the virtual room um, and ask for a takeaway, something to think about to do from the time when we finish our conversation back into the showroom. Carolina um, from Auto Trader, what would your takeaway be from this afternoon's conversation? I think of, based on all the trends that we've been discussing today in terms of how the mar how quickly the market is moving, how different the trends are in ICE versus EVs, the impact it has on supply and demand dynamic, that in turn having impact on pricing, speed of sale. So my advice would be continue following the data to make really good decisions in terms of what to buy, how to price it. The market is changing and staying on top of it is really important. Okay, keep on top of the numbers. Darren, what's your thought from Perry's? Um, I, I think, as I just mentioned previously, Al, I think we've almost got to refocus on some of our selling skills. Um, you know, for this last two years, it's been far easier. Um, there are still leads out there. We've established there are leads out there, but customers are coming in a little bit more, you know, hesitant to what they were previously. So I think it's our job to guide them through it professionally. Um, and maybe we just need to revisit some of our um, previous best practice selling skills. And Peter from uh, Swansway, what would your what would your takeaway from? Would you go and do this afternoon in the showroom? Take your pain on your old EV stock. I know it's going to be painful, but hold your nose and put your head under, because if you don't, they'll still be there at Christmas. Take the medicine. Thank you very much to our panellists um, for joining us today. We had Peter Smythe uh, from Swansway. We had Darren Ardern from Perry's and Carolina Edwards-Schmider from Auto Trader. This has been the business briefing uh, from the Auto Retail Network. 
our thanks to you for taking time to join us uh, for our conversation. Uh, if you have other colleagues who you feel may benefit from uh, the insight you've heard, please uh, encourage them. You can watch again and the link will be coming to you by email. The editor today was Tristan Young and Guy was at the controls. On behalf of the Auto Retail Network, thank you very much.